I've had the question asked of me since I've been at this conference is like, are you concerned that this is gonna take over the researcher job, what ChatGPT can do? And I'm not concerned because, you know, being a researcher is more than crunching numbers and it's more than spitting out insights that have been nicely summarized. A lot of it's around education, it's also around strategic alignment across organizations, and it's around, um, you know, taking really, really, really complex things that have not even been invented and trying to innovate together cross-functionally with teams. Um, I try to imagine a robot doing that and it's just like, right now I will sit here and tell you, no way, mm. not a chance. Hi, I'm Mike Green and welcome to Understanding Users, the podcast where I chat candidly with UX design and research professionals from around the world to hear about how they build digital products and services in a user-centered way. Hi, yes, um, my name is Megan Matthews and I work as a researcher in the industry, uh, currently in uh, software technology, but I've also worked in many industries, including education, as well as robotics and um, driving, Autonomous driving, um, so yeah. Okay. And is it your first time, Megan, at uh, UXDX? This is my first time, and I'm having such a fantastic time. Great group of people, great talks. It's been a lot of fun. Has there anything that you've seen or heard, kind of in particular, jumped out at you in the last couple of days? Ah, uh, well, I would say, given the context of my talk here, I've been very interested to connect with other folks on personas and learning about how jobs to be done and personas are being used across different types of companies and what are people finding successful in these processes right. <laughs> in general. Um, but I'm also surprised by a lot of the conversations around AI, although not so surprised since it's such a hot topic in every industry, everywhere. Um, and, you know, interesting to see how this sort of evolves over you know, the upcoming years as ChatGPT is so hot. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's talking about it. If you're not talking about it, you're on a ship that's already we've passed you. you Goodbye now. <laughs> we'll come on to AI in a minute, but just just going back to the personas thing, because as a, as a mm -hmm. user researcher myself, I'm you know, personas can be a bit of a dirty word in in certain sectors, and I know this, you know, they've got a bit of a potted history. I'm, what's your perspective on kind of the value of personas? How teams should go about creating them and using them? Oh, we love to hate personas and we love to love them and we hate to love them. I don't know, it's a complex space. One thing that I've learned is that no matter who you're talking to, what industry you're in, if you say personas, people have a pretty good idea about what you mean. It's a very powerful word, personas. Yeah. But that also means it could be anything. It could be absolutely anything. And it, you know, if you ask people what they want to get out of personas, they'll likely tell you, well, they want it to do everything for you. Um, and I find that a really special thing, but also it's sort of freeing because that means a persona can be anything to you. And when it comes to applying personas across different teams, across different companies, across industries, you can really design a persona to fit whatever your purpose is at your organization. And I think that's very powerful. Um, so whether you're using traditional personas or you're experimenting with jobs to be done, I think the, the big picture is like, make a persona work for you, whatever that means. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's interesting. I was in a talk just now where they were talking about uh, AI and ChatGPT in the context of persona creation mm -hmm. and the kind of risks and challenges around that. I mean, moving kind of on to, to AI in general, what's your view on kind of where we are in terms of kind of user experience in the digital design space with, with AI? Well, I think there's been a lot of explorations on how can researchers leverage tools like ChatGPT to help us develop, create, um, automate aspects of research. Um, I know I've played around it with myself. Um, one of the things I have found to be a real benefit in terms of it being a tool that is one that's part of my toolkit is around summarizing and synthesizing sort of known standard UX research. Like you can type in a chat, you know, what are, you know, okay, I'm, this isn't maybe exactly what you should type in, and but something along the lines of, you know, pull up, you know, summarize uh, the key UX standards around designing for animation. Right. And it'll come up, it'll do a nice little synthesis. Here are five great takeaways. And then you say, you know, show the references for those, for this work, and it will link you off to, you know, a list of 10 references. So this has been helpful in my work because sometimes as a researcher, we're pinged to give research on all different topics, some of which are already well known and have been well documented. So I found it to be kind of a great way to just summarize high level things that are already known, well-founded uh, uh, practices in research and being able to share that with specific teams who might be working on design animations for an organization or maybe um, you know, color theory for an organization or accessibility things for an organization. You can quickly put together some desk research for them and save yourself time to go do the hard problems right. and work on the things that you know, need some research as opposed to just synthesizing. So that's one thing I've used it for. <laughs> and going forward, how do you foresee AI kind of affecting or influencing, should I say, the way that product teams develop services and products? like building it into their workflow and kind of creating and you know, using That's it That's a really their... great question. I mean, I have things I'd love for it to be able to do for me. <laughs> I mean, it would be great if AI could help me um, put together an insights library that's really easy to search and you could just talk to this insights library and it would pull up all of the learnings, um, you know, based on what your, your organization has done. I mean, if that's not being developed, Let's talk afterwards. We should build that thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have dreams about it, but at this point, I think it's still the question mark. Uh, there's a big question mark on how it will actually be able to benefit us. And, and, and what about the risks and the downsides? I've had the question asked of me since I've been at this conference is like, are you concerned that this is going to take over the researcher job, what ChatGPT can do? And I'm not concerned because you know, being a researcher is more than crunching numbers and it's more than spitting out insights that have been nicely summarized. A lot of it's around education, it's also around strategic alignment across organizations, and it's around, um, you know, taking really, really, really complex things that have not even been invented and trying to innovate together cross-functionally with teams. Um, I try to imagine a robot doing that and it's just like, Right now, I will sit here and tell you, no way, mm. not a chance that a robot could, you know, work on those things. But, you know, maybe I'll be surprised. I'm going to keep an open mind. 
be curious to see where this evolves. <laughs> and it's that human element, isn't it, that, that the good researcher can do of, of kind of reading between the lines and it's not what the participants are saying but it's what they're doing and, and yeah it's the kind of unspoken needs that yeah and, you know I think you bring up a good point around um, the inputs can come in all forms they can be facial expressions uh, finger behaviors you know if you're talking about interacting with a mobile app or being in a space and taking in um, taking in an entire environment and you pair that up with data points, uh, NPS scores, you pair that up with the words that are spoken, and it starts to give you a picture of something. And it requires interpretation and having, you know, bringing expertise into that moment to determine what's really going on. Um, can a robot do that? Well, I, I'd be curious to find out if it could, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I would be totally impressed if it could. Um, but I'm going to hold my breath on that. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> and, and you told me before that your background was in robotics. So tell me a little I bit more have, about that. Um, well, I sort of got my start uh, in the academic space and uh, simulation, aug virtual reality and simulation to um, test all kinds of things, really. But um, I was on the cutting edge of research. This was many years ago. This was like 15 plus years ago. Um, using simulation to look at roadway crossing behavior mm -hmm. in children and adults and um, street crossing. So we had these very complex simulations where it's like, you know, you've got projectors everywhere and you've got people on physical bicycles that are cycling in a stationary but physical way. And then they're immersed in this virtual space and having experiences like that really, you know, opened up a whole new uh, path for my career that at the time I wasn't I wasn't quite sure how where it would go, um, but it's been an incredible journey, and I've spent a number of years working in the robotics space. Um, and in particular, I worked for a company that's now defunct. That um, they built probably the best example of a social robot in the wild, um, and that robot was called Cosmo. It was a it was a toy. It was a play educational toy. Uh, and this old Cosmo boy was this thing cute. It was like you know, fit in the palm of your hands and um, moved around. It had ambient behaviors and these big googly eyes that were animated beautifully by like super talented Disney designers. I mean, there was just an incredible team that really cared about building delightful moments to create a bond, a social bond between a robot and, and a child or a robot and adult. And so we did a lot of interesting research in the AI space, not only to understand how would people how do people, what are the expectations that people bring to an experience where they, they know that there's AI involved? Mm. Um, but also around the emotional components. Um, and how do, you, how do you use emotion, whether it's through um, you know, the, the motions, the movements of a robot, or even the, the eyes, the things that you can see? Um, use of color, yeah. So what advice would you give to someone, a UX designer or a UX researcher who wants to get started, let's say using ChatGPT, for example, in terms of you know, what they do day to day? I think the best thing we can do right now is try to figure out what are the commands that we can put in to help us get good outputs. Uh, I think even when I was just trying to get summaries of standard, well-founded UX practices out there and tie them specifically to the most popular um, research, 
so we have like good references for those those insights. I had to spend maybe an hour figuring out like the perfect phrases and words. So I think there's at least what I hope to start seeing soon are um, some best practices for researchers. Um, what are the types of commands that will return the types of information that will be most helpful for uh, this kind of desk research, um, generative research that you might be, at least the ones that I've explored so far. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Understanding Users. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Join me again next time when I'll be sharing some more insights from digital design professionals. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centered.